the sermon today, and in Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. How you doing? Hope everybody's doing okay. And um, <clears throat> uh, tonight is our Christmas uh, worship service. Uh, the 4 o'clock is full. So if you didn't sign up and you want to come, just come to 6 o'clock, and that would help us out a little bit if you would do that. Um, we'd love to have you, even if you didn't sign up, but just come at 6. <laughs> yeah, just come at 6. So, uh, so yeah. Um, well, it's Christmas, right? Yeah, it's Christmas. And it's going to be cold on Christmas, very cold on Christmas. So that's going to be, that's going to be a good thing, right? No? Bundling up, fire in the fireplace, the whole Christmas thing. I'm hoping for snow. I will let you know that if it does snow, we'll still have church. <clears throat> so get out your four-wheel drive and whatever. All right, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about um, the song 12 Days of Christmas, and we did a message called 11 Pipers Piping, which is the 11 faithful disciples, apostles, but disciples, 11 faithful apostles. And so we talked about them, and we did a whole message about that. Today, we're doing a sermon called The Eight Maids of Milking, which are the eight Beatitudes. Okay, but I'm not going to go through all eight Beatitudes. I'm just going to do one. Next year, we'll cover them all. But um, today, we're just going to do one of them. So turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5. And let's read through all of them, and then we'll... We'll jump right into it. Matthew chapter 5. And it says this, verse 2. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying... Now, this is the famous Sermon on the Mount, and this is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. That means that this is an introduction to the rest of his sermon. Okay? So he's trying to get people's attention. So in verse 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Or heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, in your Bible, it's titled the Beatitudes, but in Scripture, they're not called the Beatitudes. In fact, the, this is a group of, of verses that oftentimes is presented in, in Bible study as if you do this, if you are this type of person, you will get this particular blessing. And so people often say, hey, be merciful and you'll receive mercy, and, and they'll go back and forth. I would submit to you this morning that that is not exactly correct, the correct way to do that. It, it's totally different. These beatitudes are actually announcements. They're not commands. They are gospel announcements. So they're announcing something, first of all. So it's not you do this and you get this. By the way, if it was that, that would be what is called work salvation. 
So you do this and you get this. You do this and you get this. And salvation is through grace and mercy alone. There's nothing that you do to receive salvation. Um, so what is salvation then? Because I think it's important to kind of make sure that we all understand what that is. And here's salvation. Salvation is the moment that you realize that you're a sinner and you do not deserve any type of saving. So you fall to your knees and you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. You ask him to be your savior and you thank him for taking your punishment for your sins on the cross of Calvary. And it's at that point that you become a child of God. That is salvation. It is nothing that you did. It's nothing that you've earned. It's nothing like that. It is all by grace, by the grace and mercy of God that you can be saved. And these beatitudes are not a way for you to gain the kingdom of heaven. These beatitudes are not a way for you to gain some sort of thing from God. Because ladies and gentlemen, you deserve nothing from God. It is all by his grace and mercy that he has given you all that you have. And that is just the way it is. And so when we come to these beatitudes, it's not you be this and you'll get this. It's not that. Instead, these are messages to people that are broken for some reason. And they're messages of hope and encouragement is what it is in these beatitudes. So, so the messages of hope and encouragement. And we are going to look at number seven today. And that is in, found in verse nine. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So we have blessed peacemakers, and sons of God. So what in the world is blessed? This is another thing, and I'm just going to tell you, I don't know why I'm into this today. It, this irritates me about this particular passage. When someone says that blessed means happy. Blessed does not mean happy. It is not happier those who, you know, it has nothing to do with happiness. Blessedness is something totally different. Let me give you an illustration of what blessed really is, okay? I am blessed to have Nicole as my wife. It is something that I will have because we made a commitment to each other. She is my wife. Regardless of what I'm going through on a particular given day, Nicole is going to be my wife when I get home. I am blessed to have her. Now, sometimes I debate that blessing, <laughs> right? And she does too, but I have her regardless. I go home, she's there. I, something happens to me on the way home, something, a tragedy, I get a bad phone call, I'm in a bad mood, whatever it is. Regardless of my condition, I always have Nicole. I am blessed to have her. This morning, every single one of you woke up with a roof over your head. And that is you are blessed. You are fortunate to have a place to live, right? Now, you might say, well, you know, I earned my money and I bought my house and I did all this, that, and the other. and that happened. Well, okay, great. I just want to let you know that everything that you have is on loan from God. Right. And so it's a blessing to have your house. It's a blessing. You are fortunate to have that because it's on loan from God. So there's other, there's other blessings too. The number one blessing for Christians is salvation. No matter what I do from this day forward, because I received Jesus as my Savior when I was eight, I will always be saved. So if I go out of here today and I sin in some way, I do not lose my salvation. I'm just a fortunate sinner at that point. That I still have salvation and I can still go to God and ask forgiveness for that sin. I am still blessed. I am still part of the kingdom of God. It is something that he gave me not because I earned it and because I didn't earn it, I can't lose it. 
So I am blessed because of that. So in this passage of scripture, when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God, the sons of God is actually a blessing and it's a condition that cannot change. They are fortunate. They are fortunate that regardless of what has happened to them concerning this peacemaking thing, that they are still called the sons of God. So what is peacemaking? How is someone a peacemaker? So let me pause here a moment to say this. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm getting into a part of the sermon where I'm going to tell you the difference between a peacemaker and a pot stirrer. Okay? I'm going to tell you the difference between the two. And you're either a peacemaker as a Christian or you're a pot stirrer as a Christian. It's one or the other when it comes to this particular verse. And I would like to tell all the pot stirrers in the room that you're not blessed. You're not blessed. You might think you're powerful, and you might think you're all that in a bag of barbecue potato chips, but you're just not blessed. You're a pot stirrer, and so you get a thrill out of that. Peacemakers are the ones that are blessed. And so what in the world is a peacemaker? What is a peacemaker? Well, how many of you had Tinker Toys when you were little? Yeah, little. I've realized that these are not pure Tinker Toys. Because the ones I had were pure. They were wood. Right? How many of you had wood and Tinker Toys when you were little? Yeah. That's back, back when we didn't care about trees. And this is when we don't care about the ocean. So, <laughs> thank you. I'm here all week. All right? Here all week. So, these are Tinker Toys. Now, peace comes from a word in Scripture, uh, Salom. It's in the Old Testament. Salome, peace, peace to all. And you've heard that many times probably, Salome, and have peace. Now, peace, that particular word peace, is actually a uh, pictorial word of a circle. And so it's, it's a circle of wholeness. It means wholeness. Um, some people, and I'm not saying that they're wrong, um, say that you and I are the center of that of that wheel, so to speak, and there's spokes that come out from the center and touches every portion of your life. And so every portion of your life is peaceful. So you have this holistic sort of thing, and it's peaceful in that particular way. Um, I, 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 I don't necessarily not agree with that. I just think there's more to it than just a wheel and a spoke. I think, I think it's more to it. I don't think you necessarily have to have a circle in order to have wholeness, in order to have everything together. In other words, we are supposed to be whole makers. We're supposed to put things together that are broken. By the way, that is what redemption is. Redemption is God putting the world back together holistically so that it can have peace. So all the broken pieces on the ground, God is putting together uh, into a system to where it's a whole thing. So peacemaking is when you and I have broken pieces in our life and we take from those broken pieces and we try to make something that actually connects and is whole and it doesn't necessarily have to be a circle. For instance, in the first uh, service, I brought my son up and he actually made things on stage. Now, I'm not saying that you should switch to the 930 service because there was something more exciting there than this one. Because we have our own excitement (laughs) right there. Yeah. So what he made was he took the Tinker Toys that were all pieces just everywhere, and he made a car. 
Now, you might not think that this is incredible, but I just want you to try to do this sometime, okay? And my kids used to make houses and cranes and all kinds of stuff with this stuff, and he did this within five minutes, this little thing. So he took the pieces and he made something whole. He made something usable that was broken. Peacemaking is you making something usable that is broken. That's what a peacemaker is. And peacemaking um, <clears throat> has all types of connotations. You can have peacemaking in your relationships. You can have peacemaking in your home. You can help other people find peace in their particular lives. In the Sermon on the Mount, in the next couple of verses, it'll talk about anger. And it will tell you that anger is not a peacemaking sort of thing to do. It breaks things apart. It never makes things whole. So don't be angry. It will also talk about fidelity in your marriage. You see, when you are faithful to your spouse in your marriage, you are whole. When you are unfaithful, it breaks it apart and things fall apart, right? And if you've ever known anybody or any situation where one or the other were not faithful to their, to their marriage, to their spouse, uh, you know that to be true. Everything fell apart when that particular thing happened. Everything fell apart. And so you can't be a peacemaker if you are not faithful to your um, marriage partner. So, you know, it's not just me trying to go to people and make peace with people. That's not what peacemaking is. Sometimes peacemaking is you just being faithful to the commitments that you've already made. And so one of those is marriage. Another way that we can bring peace to people's situations is like if people don't have food or if people are struggling in some particular way financially and we come along and we can help them for a particular period of time. We recently did this as a church. We helped 30-some families with food for the next two weeks for Christmas time, which is a relief to them for that, right? When you're wondering about where your next meal is going to come, there is no peace in your home because you're worried about that. But then when God comes along and there's a group of people that decides to help you out with that, peace comes for just a little particular period of time. And in that little moment, you have wholeness. So peacemaking is not just me trying to make peace with someone else. It's also you and I trying to help other people with the brokenness that is in their own lives. That is what peacemaking is. And so we do that. See, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just laughing. P uh, you know I'm laughing. People that stir the pot. <laughs> that was not supposed to happen. <laughs> that did not happen in the first service. Are you okay, sir? Yeah, Can, I, I might need that piece back. <laughs> but that, that's what happens, isn't it? Isn't it? When, when people do not have the, the attitude that I'm a peacemaker and they do something rash, that's what happens, isn't it? And it's that shocking. I mean, I didn't mean for it to hurt, you know, it didn't hit you, right? I didn't see it hit you. Yeah. If, if so, if so and you need to sue somebody, it's Farmington Methodist. Okay, so just for the moment, yeah. If you need to sue Farmington Methodist, just tell your lawyer, yeah, that. All right. Yeah, 
So, so it comes. And sometimes, sometimes when things blow up in your family or in your relationships or wherever it is, you try to pick up the pieces and put it back together, but sometimes you can't bring peace back to a particular situation because the person doesn't want peace. What they want is, they want is power. They, they want their way. They want something else other than peace with you. And so what you have to do at that particular point in time is you have to just kind of let them be, and you have to just make peace where you can make peace. And sometimes peace gets a little closer to you, and you have to leave the people that are causing trouble just kind of out of your life for a little bit so that you can have peace. Because, ladies and gentlemen, you cannot be a peacemaker if you do not have peace, first of all, inside of your heart. You can't do that. And here's the good news. Jesus has offered salvation to you so that you will have peace inside of you. So for the Christian, it is very possible for you to have peace inside of you and then touch other people in life with the peace of the world, right? With the peace of what he offers them, with being a peacemaker. So why in the world do peacemakers, because that sounds great, doesn't it? It sounds great for people to be peacemakers and putting stuff together. I mean, that, that sounds like a great job. That sounds like somebody that you would want to know, right? You would want to know a peacemaker. In fact, you really wish that some of your family members coming to Christmas would have this sort of attitude, right? That they're coming with this peacemaking attitude and they're not coming to kind of stab at you and get at you and kind of get you stirred up. I mean, don't you, right? Right? Yeah. So you would want that. So, so why in the world does a peacemaker wind up in a very unfortunate circumstance. Why is that? Why do peacemakers often wind up in a place where they need a word of encouragement? And I'll tell you why. Because everybody doesn't like a peacekeeper. For instance, police officers are peacekeepers. Police officers. They get a call in the middle of the night. They're supposed to go to a house. They go to the door, and there's two people in the house, and they have to do something about it. They have to do something about it. They have to be, bring peace to that particular situation. And sometimes peacemaking is removing one of the individuals out of the home. That way, that individual can try to figure out how they can have peace and get to a peaceful state of mind. And the person in the house that may be being harmed can also have peace that particular night, even though there's still conflict inside the home. Sometimes peacemaking is separating people that cannot live together for a particular period of time. Sometimes you have to do that to bring peace, and that's the first step in peace. Now, there's other steps after that. I mean, after they're separate, of course, you want them to get back together. You want them to be in the same home. You want to put the pieces back together. But policemen often come to a house, and they have to separate people in order to maintain the peace. Police officers are peacemakers. Now, I don't agree with that when they pull me over on the side of the road and they're giving me a ticket. I agree with that, but I don't feel like that that's a peacemaking thing, right? I'm just, I'm just kind of joking there. But nonetheless, they are peacemakers. Another group of people that are peacemakers are counselors. And um, <clears throat> I've been at this long enough to know this. Uh, there are some people that come to get counseling that just want you to be on their side. And a peacemaker is never on somebody's side, so when two people come and they have a conflict with each other, it's man and wife, or it's a conflict with another family member over here, my job is to try to figure out what exactly is going on so that I can instruct them in a way that they can bring peace to that particular situation. But people don't always 
like that. They don't always like that particular piece. And I've had instances where, you know, I have talked to one particular, uh, I've talked to the husband and I've talked to the wife. Neither one of them leave my office thinking that I was on their side. And then they start talking about me later on, you know, somewhere. And it's, and it's not good things, right? And so police officers are not often talked about positively, right? And, and counselors are often not talked about positively. And you, if you're a peacemaker in your family, I guarantee you, you're not talked about positively all the time because you are not taking a side. You are just trying to bring peace. And so they will call you all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. And it gets back to you. And so, Jesus says, it doesn't matter what they call you. They can never take away this truth. I call you a child of mine. Come on, church. It doesn't matter what Bob over here is saying or this person over here is saying. or, or I, I'm sorry, Bob, you're in the back. Um, or, <laughs> yeah, it's not you, Bob. Um, what this person over here is saying, it doesn't really matter because what they can't take from you is the fact that you are a child of the living God. And you grab a hold of that and you bring security to yourself. So that's a way that you remain kind of encouraged you still know that people aren't really happy with you and that wasn't your goal. But to be honest, there's just some people you can't make happy. Right? There's just some people. So l- let me tell you a little, a little story and, um, and it bring this kind of up to light. Okay? Um, in my house, Santa Claus is for fun and Jesus is real. That's just the way it has always been. And so we would tell our children that. So I need to tell you that before I tell you the story. Have you ever thought for a moment that um, it would have been nice for Santa Claus to actually use penguins on his sleigh rather than reindeer? It's one of the two birds that can't fly, right? So why not offer those penguins, right, a chance to fly? Have you ever, you've never thought, look, you come to this church, you already know I'm crazy, Okay. <laughs> So you have these penguins, you know, and they're sitting up there at the North Pole, and they're like, yeah, we can pull the sleigh. Just give that magic to us and let us fly. But what Santa Claus did instead is he went south to Canada and imported the reindeer to the North Pole. That would be like getting workers from Mexico. Okay? Now, I'm not making a political thing. I'm just saying. That's like what that is. So he imported them. So the penguins are up in the North Pole going, they're taking our jobs. And so he brings these reindeer, and the reindeer get the jobs. And the problem is the penguins can't get up in arms about it. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. Listen. A peacemaker doesn't get up in arms. A Christian who is a peacemaker doesn't get up in arms about stuff. They act totally differently. So really, we need a bunch of Christian penguins. Can't get up in arms. So what, how in the world are you a peacemaker without being a doormat? How are you a peacemaker without like um, just being wimpy? 
how are you a peacemaker without being wimpy? Well, I'll give you an example. The best person that was ever a peacemaker on the face of the planet was Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ and his ministry was filled with great acts of miracles and a bunch of conflict. A bunch of conflict. But this is what Jesus never did. Jesus never looked for the conflict. In fact, if he knew of a city that was going to be conflicted, and he knew that, he didn't go to that particular city. There was only one exception to that, and that was in his final year of life where he went back to Jerusalem because he had a mission to die on the cross for the sins of the world. So he made sure, like, this is going to be kind of, kind of in a, in a conflictive, so I'm going to kind of stay away from that. And he did not seek out conflict. So to be a peacemaker like Jesus, you don't seek out conflict. Because, ladies and gentlemen, if you're a believer, conflict is going to come your way anyway. People are going to find you, and they're going to conflict with you. That's why the next beatitude, number eight, is blessed are the persecuted. They shall receive the kingdom of God. Because persecution isn't something that we go after to get, right? Okay, right. So you're going to be persecuted. So he knew that. So Jesus, when he did have conflicted situations, he didn't look for them to happen. They happened to him because people kept attacking him. And every time it happened, Jesus always approached it with the attitude of, how can I get these people to understand how to become whole? The people that were attacking him, he viewed them as broken, and he was thinking, how can I fix this? How can I send them a message in such a way that they would have to think about it and come to a place where they had to either follow me or not follow me? Either be whole and and have peace or not follow me with peace. And every time he did that, So yeah, sometimes he called uh, the religious leaders, you're a whitewashed wall. Yeah, of course, sometimes he did that. And a lot of times, though, what he would do is he would present truth that they could not counteract. And so maybe being a peacemaker is also being patient. Patient enough to put your emotions aside and think through the way you should respond in a Christ-like manner and then respond in that particular way with truth. And they might reject the truth, but that's okay. They rejected Jesus, right? They rejected him, but he still stood firm for the truth. So if you want to be a peacemaker, the person to follow is Jesus. And just realize that when you're a peacemaker, people are not going to like you. The next thing about this is that they called Jesus a bunch of names, didn't they? Devil of the devil, works of the devil, a guy from Galilee, the poorest of the poor. Jesus is a nobody, but he was doing a lot, right? But they were trying to erase him off the planet with what they were saying and trying to make him insignificant. But Jesus just kept doing what he was called to do. That's what he did. Because Jesus knew that he was fortunate. The reason he was fortunate is because he was the son of God. And they were never going to be able to take that from him. Isn't that great? So peacemaking. So I don't know who you need to, I don't know what your Christmas season is going to be like in your home. You might have a happy-go-lucky, you know, not blessed, but happy-go-lucky, you know, uh, 
Christmas activity with your family, or it might be kind of attention-oriented. You might be having tension in other areas of your life with your job, um, with your neighbor. Maybe they don't like your Christmas lights because you blare music while your lights are going and they just don't like it because they have kids that are trying to sleep. Maybe that's it, right? But this is what I do know. You and I need to make sure that we are peacemakers this Christmas. And that does not mean that we're doormats. It does mean that we stand for the truth, but we do it with the right attitude in the right way. We are to be like Jesus. And when they call you names, you let the Holy Spirit whisper inside of your ear, you are blessed and fortunate because you are a child of God and they can't take that away from you. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the stage you've given us, and we thank you for Jesus' sermon here and how he opened it. Encouraging words to broken people. Father, I know that in this room, there are people that are struggling with family members. I know that. I know there's people in this room, those same people that just want peace. So I pray for them and lift them up because in the next couple of days, they may have to interact with people that they don't like that much. I pray that they'll figure out a way to find peace within themselves so that they can extend that peace to others. Pray that any time that anyone in this room hears people talking about them in a negative way, saying stuff that really they shouldn't say, that by the power of your Holy Spirit and his ministry in our lives, the Holy Spirit will just whisper in our ears that we are called the sons of God. And in that moment, help us to grab a hold of that truth as a bomb to our hurt, as a healing mechanism for how people are attacking us. Because at the end of the day, Father, that is all we really need anyway. I pray for the person in this room or the people in this room, I don't know how many it is, that they really don't have peace inside of themselves. Their muscles, they do different things, they try to um, gain control, they try to, you know, feel powerful, and they just try and try and try and try. And I pray that in this moment, Father, that they will leave all that behind. Repent of that and ask you to bring peace to their soul. So, in whatever situation that you spoke to anybody in this room, pray, Father, that you will continue to work in their hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. If you need me to pray for you, I'm here. If you want to present yourself to join the church today, I don't mind that as well.